Hello and welcome to episode 77 of the Worst Nest Podcast. I'm Kevin Gallagher. I'm joined again by Kieran Mooney. Kieran, how are you today? Oh, easy answer to a simple question, Kev. I'm doing great. What a weekend of football. 4-1. Big, big victory. Class game of football. Really entertaining. Smitten our place in third. What's not to like? The momentum is building with this team. Got a question if Aloe Athletic are ever going to lose a game of football ever again. The run the run <laughs> just now. That's four four wins on the bounce. I, I think I read an Aloe stats is the first time since it would have been the 2018-19 season with the, the great escape at the yeah. at the end of the season. I think Ross County, Falkirk, Queen of the South, maybe Greenock Morton might have been the other team. First time we've won four in the yeah, bounce Capital. since um there you go. First time we've won four in the bounce since then. So it's it's definitely all feel good. Um as I say, the fact we've kind of cemented that that third position now after a, a few months back looking at like it was all all coves um today's episode we're obviously going to look back on the the demolition job done over over coves particularly in the second half on on saturday and then we'll get a preview ahead to to hamilton away which all of a sudden is becoming a bit more of an interesting game suddenly absolutely yeah yeah it's a massive game but i think first deal with with saturday and it's going to be a nice 20 30 minutes to talk about it because you know, Alloa were excellent in different ways. Of course, the first half was not the best of performances, but there's positives to take in that. But dipping into the starting eleven before we digest every lovely bit of action, especially those four goals, did I not nail the starting eleven, or did I not nail the starting eleven? It was pretty much bang on what what we thought it was going to be. Quinn Coulson coming in, and no real other changes. I think. I think you did. Yeah, I think you've. I think you nailed it. But funnily enough, I'm looking at just now on on Google the, the, the light. I love when you look I at like, Google. I got Google at right back. This is bro. When you look at like Google or or BBC or whatever, and you, you the lower leagues of Scotland, you have a look at how they've set up the teams. And you mentioned last week about you know quite often see Mikey Doyle as as at left back or whatever for Cove. You look at Ality. You got Quinn Coulson at right back. Cami O'Donnell. As a right winger and tags over it over at left back, but yeah, I think um, I've been right in saying Quinn was the only would have been the only change then from Tuesday night, I think, um, which I think is the exact yep. lineup that you suggested going for. Um, let's go through the first half first. Let's get the first half out of the way. Cove, if I'm a Cove player, supporter, Paul Hartley, whatever, I am mystified how they've went in trailing at half time. I thought Cove were were pretty good in the first half, I'll be honest. I thought we were I thought we were okay. I thought we were okay. I didn't think we were necessarily te- terrible, but we were second best to you know, all over the park to everything. Cove were better than us. There was only one one player that wasn't second best and of I'm all there on the other side of the, the positivity. You know, the manager called it out as well. You know, the first half wasn't good enough performance wise, but positive thing is you know, we came in one 0 up. We'll talk about that in a yeah. second. But one man who wasn't second best, and I just want to shout him out, Morgan Neal. What a yeah. outstanding half of football! He continued it in the second half, but in the first half, he was a man on a mission. You mentioned off air, he was the same up at the Balmoral Stadium as well. Maybe it's a an ex club sort of thing, but I thought he was excellent against Sterling. I thought over you know the last month or so. He's been excellent alongside Dave McKay, who had another good yeah. game. But Morgan Neal was a monster in the first half, you know, winning everything, going to deck, clear one off the line. And you know what yeah. I love about Morgan Neal, and I comment on it every single time that he, uh, he does it, he makes a big, monstrous challenge, puts it out for a corner, clears it, and then whoever's standing next to him is going to get an absolute <laughs> ear. He's just so passionate as well, but... I have to shout him out if we're if we're looking for positives in the first half. PJ Morrison as well, but Morgan Neal, you know, streets ahead of everybody. He was brilliant in the in the first half. The amount of you know like blocks he put in, you know, just in challenges, he was yeah. he was really really good. I thought as well. I thought Miko. We're going to be speaking about Miko later on. I'm I'm sure. I thought he was also good in the first half, but that was really it. PJ Morrison had one really really good save. Off ironically, a it deflected off Morgan Neal as he looked to to charge it down. A really, really good save to to tip it over. And I, I'm suppose I'm thinking in the second half we'll probably be talking about about PG again. But yeah, I'm with you. Morgan Neal was excellent in the first half. Just uh, to me, it is there probably is a big bit there about the ex club. You know, something to prove that kind of thing. And and he was bang up for it. 
little bit concerned early on. He took a he took a knock from a challenge, kind of landed a bit funny, and I thought we could be in a little bit a little bit of trouble here because, I mean, you, it would I think it would have been a case of tags into centre half, Robo and at right back, but again, you know, Andy Graham was the only the only centre half cover that we had on the on the bench again on Saturday. So, um, yeah, he was he was he was a colossus in the first half. And it goes back to what Morgan Neal was like, League Cup, although it wasn't a great League Cup campaign and <laughs> friendlies. We commented on, you know, how positive a signing that had been. And Craig Telfer and yourself and the likes have called him the, you know, the ultimate meat and potatoes defender. He just wins his headers, wins his duels, defends well. And we lost that for a little bit, it's fair to yeah. say. You know, he was he was culpable for a few mistakes and as with the whole Alawa defence, but he did spend some time out the team when he's come back albeit you know injuries have played a part in getting an opportunity but that's football and he's he's taken the opportunity alongside the likes of Mackay and Verton and and he's really grasped it and fair play to him you know you can't really see an Alawa team without him in it because he's just you know like you say a colossal and him and a few others but mostly him kept us in that that first half really because if Cove got an early goal and settled the nerves and you know, you wouldn't have put it past them getting another one or two because they were they were piling the pressure on, but we dealt with it. We waited for our moment and a little piece of magic up the other end and we get our noses in front. Yeah, I thought Yule in particular for Cove was was kind of running things in that first sort of 20, 25 minutes of the, of the first half. And, you know, the, there was obviously the news, you know, 5 he wasn't, you kind of knew sort of, the day before the game, it didn't look like five he was going to be replaced. It was a positive right away, but I thought Yule kind of stepped into that role and was was pretty much running the the midfield. But as you say, we got our we got our moment and and ended up going in ahead at half time thanks to um, I mean it, you know a penalty from Ice Cool Scott Taggart. I think Alois Stat said that's I think maybe six penalties on the bounce that he's that he scored, but it all came from from Taylor Stephen. Taylor Stephen gets the you know they call it the assist or whatever. He wins the penalty. A little burst of pace to go past. I think it was Senna and, and Reynolds, and and catches you know on the on the wrong side of Reynolds. Clear penalty, but a really really nice bit of work from from Taylor Stephen. Yeah, I don't know when we want to have the Taylor Stephen chat. If you <laughs> want to do it now, or if you want to do it later, I think doing it later just delays the inevitable. So we may as well just talk about how good yeah. he's been recently and how good he was in that moment. I'd watched the highlights back and I knew it was a nice bit of skill, but I didn't realise he took two players out with the same with the same move. Senna, who looked a shadow of his former self, I must say. Maybe it was just a bad performance, but he, he didn't look up to the you know Senna of, of Alawa. He would have just yeah. put Taylor Stevens six foot up in the air at that moment. But Stephen was too quick. He was too skillful. He was too powerful. He glided past both of them and Mark Reynolds experienced player he is, he's got absolutely no chance of keeping up pace with Taylor Stephen. But to talk about him more generally, you look at the last six games, assist, match-winning goal, match-winning goal, assist, and then on Saturday, an assist in inverted commas and, and two goals. He's just got so much confidence in playing with such enthusiasm, pace, directness, and he's got this end product, something that we threw the gauntlet at a couple of players yeah. in January and said, you know, we really need some numbers. And Taylor Stevens stepped up to that mark. It feels like Aloha have had players that have had little spells of the season. You know, Bobby Wales had a spell. He's still having it. Ali Roy had a spell. Taylor Steven is, is well and truly in that spell. But I kind of feel with, with Taylor, it's only going to get better and better because he's developing so much. He's learning. Andy Graham spoke about how he's told them to go, not just down the line, but inside as well. And he's got variety in his game. I thought it was a little bit, not insulting, but Paul Hartley said, you know, we've told him that Taylor Stephen is going to come in and he's left every time and we didn't defend it. I was like, Taylor Stephen doesn't do that anymore. He goes down the line. He goes right through the middle. He cuts in at his left. He's got such variety. He's playing with such confidence. He's a real handful for any defender. Yeah, it's interesting that there was a comment I think during the week that was someone on the on Pine Borough was talking about Taylor Stephen. They were they were saying that about how he can come in, how he can go out the outside. And I'll be honest, I hadn't massively seen a lot of him going down the outside. And and to me, he wasn't someone who could get to the byline. But I noticed that on Saturday. Whether I was, you know, whether yeah. that comment was kind of in my head and I was looking for, but there was a number of times where 
you know, he was going towards the byline and, and getting the cross in. And I thought, you know, if he adds that, because he, he's kind of, I suppose you could say he's added to his game just now in the way that he's he's cutting in and, you know, his goals against Sterling, he's, he's, he's first against against Cove on Saturday. You know, you, you add in that to your game, that's the ultimate thing to add to your game, you know, scoring screamers like that. But there's the risk there. And, and I suppose it's kind of alluding to what Paul Hartley's saying is, does he become too predictable? And it's almost almost a bad thing. The fact that, as I say, Saturday was the first time I properly noticed that he's he's willing to go on the outside as well. The fact that he's got that and he can mix up his game, that's, I mean, what a weapon he's become. He, he's in a real purple patch, a real purple patch just now. You said there about confidence. I I don't think he's a guy who lacks any confidence. I think when you when you look at him warming up and stuff like that, and like on Saturday, they're, they're all warming up and he's the only one where, where like a, you know, he's got a woolly hat on. That little bit to stand out. I, I don't think he's got any any issues with, with confidence, put it that way. But the way he's playing just now, there's a proper swagger to him. There's a real swagger to him just now. And um, I mean, he's both the goals are good for different reasons, but you might as well talk about his, his goals now. The, the first goal, yeah. I, I thought was, I mean, the week before you've got, you know, you, you've got a, a screamer cutting in against Sterling. It's a derby. It's a great goal. I honestly thought Saturday's goal was better. I I, I think it's a better strike. And when you kind of look back on the highlights, it's it's a, it's kind of strange the the action that he he hits it with. It's quite a it's quite a, a strange action if you look at his his kind of his left boot as he takes the shot. What a goal! It, it, it's an incredible incredible strike. And as I say, for me, it, it's it's better than the Sterling one. Yeah, it's 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 better because he's done it twice. But uh, that's he's. <laughs> We also it feels like people do listen to us because we also asked for some goal of the season contenders and I joked yeah. with Taylor after the game I said you're creating your own um, contender list on your own just in this month but it's an ex it's an excellent finish it just shows the confidence that he's got to to shift it over and to take that opportunity and yeah fair play to him he's 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 flying and it's a it's a sweet strike and you can't blame the can't blame the goalkeeper it's no. Like you say, it's absolutely pinpoint, and that goal as well was a was a big moment in the game. I know we're kind of jumping back and forth a little bit here, but COVID obviously pulled themselves back into it two one, and I think that's probably you know a point to pick up on. This Alwa team are learning quickly. We don't really seem to be making you know we make a mistake. We're a young team, that's a point to make. But a couple of weeks later, you know we're, we've learned from that. I kind of had slight fear. Oh, they've gone two one. Is this going to be a Montrose? Yeah. Are we going to be pegged back to two two? But no, you know we've learned from it. We're not we're not happy to sit on that lead. Taylor was bright, and we're going for the kill and see out the game. And I think that's you can see the growth from the team just even in this four game win and a couple of weeks prior to it as well. Yeah, definitely. I I was exactly the same. Montrose came to mind when. When Cove equalised, that was the first thing I thought of. Was, <laughs> was Montrose again, but the way they reacted to it, you know, that's I think it was was it two minutes between between the goals. I mean, in terms of as you say, we're kind of jumping a bit. All we'll, we'll cover off the second goal and the, the Cove goal. In terms of the Cove goal, it, it's a it's a bit of a poor one to lose. Cross comes in, too much space. I think there's a lot. Can we can we stop that cross coming in? You know, the attackers drifted between Tags and Dave Mackay, I think, as can. You know, Tags seemed really narrow, but then was Dave Mackay too far across? Could PGA have came for it? I, I don't know. It's it's a bit of a poor one to, poor one to concede. But to me, as, you, as you're as you alluding to, the reaction from that to, to go up two minutes later and, and score again. In terms of the, the second Aller goal, who else? You know, we're talking about Taylor Steer. Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned there about Bobby Goals has had his, his moment as well. This guy, this guy's incredible. This is... um. Uh, the bit that stands out for me on uh, that kind of sums up Bobby Wales to me on this, this comes from a Cove mistake. The moment Bobby Wales picks up the loose ball, and then you're talking he's 40 yards from goal, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, I, I expect he's probably going to score here. You know, the fact that I expect he's going to run away from the defender, he's going to outpace him, does that no problem. I expect that he's going to going to be calm and slot the ball into the, into the back of the net. He does that. The, the moment that it, it fell to him 40 yards from goal. I, I stood behind the goal and I thought, I expect Bobby Wales to score. And that that probably sums up the way he's playing just now and, and the run that he's on, that in that kind of that kind of moment, you, you're, you're thinking he's probably going to end up scoring here. 
he just glides. It's so nice, like just to watch him move as well. He doesn't even look like he's breaking a sweat when he's running through and going. You know, strikers will tell you sometimes those are the hardest goals to score when you've got so much time to think about it. A lot of Wales's goals in this little run have been, you know, just it's not to do him any sort of a disservice or a, a discredit. Um, you know, right place, right time. He's made the movement, but they've been tap-ins within the six-yard box. This is completely different because he's got yeah so much time to think about it. But like you say, never had any doubt in my mind that he was going to miss it at all, which was, it speaks volumes of how good he's been. But to go back on that point of the confidence that he's playing, you look at that front line, Stephen, 19, Wales, 18, Coulson, 20. They're just so young and they're just oozing confidence. Yeah. It's like they've, they, they just, not, not that they don't care. That's not the words I'm looking for. But they, they're not, they're not feared. They're not scared. They're enjoying their football, oozing class, and you can. It looks like they're just having a lot of fun as well. Yeah, I, I kind of noticed that you, you obviously you're talking. You know, your your family member was was mascot. Was it Harry? I think I think before um before the yeah. game on, on Saturday, and I noticed, I noticed all the team over there before and they were getting their photo and everything. And you see the photo. And, they look like a really happy, they just look like a decent bunch of guys. And I think, you know, it's probably interesting if we weren't on this run and, and you know, if, if we were in the form that we were in, let's say the start of the season, and you're talking about a front line that's got an average age of, I don't know, 18 or 19 or something, like that, you, you think it, in the tough times, would we be, you know, would they be reacting and playing in the same way? You, you don't know. But for me, and the good times like this, that's probably what you want. You want that youth because they're just they're just running riot. You know, they're just running riot just now. We've seen later on, you had Ethan Sutherland coming on, and when he was kind of further forward at times as well, he just looked absolutely carefree, didn't care, just take take players on. Stephen Buchanan comes on, exactly the same, just, just gliding past players yeah, as well. True. These young guys are just, as you say, there's just so much confidence. It's just carefree, and I think they're not, they're just not really having to think about what they're doing. It's all kind of coming quite naturally to them at the moment. And there's there's obviously a feel-good around the club. And there's been a feel-good since Andy came in, let's be honest. And despite the start, you know, Andy's first game, he got, he got beat, what was 3-0 at Edinburgh. It's a disaster of a start to his management career. But there was just kind of a feeling of, don't really care. It's his first. It's his first game, and there was, you know, we didn't have Bobby Goals. There's, there's your answer. There's your excuse right away. Bobby Wales wasn't playing that day, and there's been that feel good since then. And there's just a confidence, and the guys just look like they're having so much fun. I, we were, I was talking after the game. I was talking about Connor Salmon. I meant to mention it uh, last week's episode. You see Salmon when he's round behind the goals, warming up, and he, he's constantly, you know, his kids are having to get a, a photo, and they're blaring away, and. Connor Sam, like there's never nothing's too much of a chore for for Big Samuel, and he's over and he's he's getting the photos with them and he's blaring the weight of them and he's probably making these kids day with what's you know it's nothing to him it's just a, just you know it's 10, 15 seconds but it's never an issue for him and it's just it's little things like that you you love seeing that and it just makes you think this is a real a real good bunch and. Andy at the at the kind of helm of it, the amount of people talking how you know nice a guy Andy is and everything. He's so engaging and you can't help but buy into to what he's talking about. You know, we we talk each week, you know, before we record about like his interviews and everything like that. He's he's brilliant to listen to after the game. He, he when he gives his interviews after the game, he tells it exactly how it is. When we've played well, he says, "Yeah, we played well." The, the times, you know, take the first half on Saturday when we weren't playing as well, he says we weren't playing as well. Cove were, were the better team. He's honest, and you just, you can't help but buy into what he's saying. It's just a good a good feeling about the club just now. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's a, it's a, it's a great feeling, and, and everyone's enjoying themselves from us up in the press box, to the supporters, to the players as well, and just a, a, a word on that, yeah, I was down at the dugout with, with Harry on, on Saturday, and He's uh, he was a little bit shy, a little bit nervous before the game. <laughs> Andy came over, had a wee kick about with him, which made me think if you know if we do have to pull him on as a substitute, his warm up was with my nine year old cousin. So <laughs> don't know if that really prepares him for defending against Roman Burrell. But anyway, point aside, it was just you know everybody was was so engaging with him, so happy to 
to see him and happy to chat away to him. And and that goes to the you know the experienced guys as well. And we spoke about this before. You mentioned that example of Samo. Kevin Colley was the same. He took a lot of time with him on Saturday. Yeah. Experienced players that are used to being starters that at the moment are not, but are still playing a massive part in the success of those 17, 18, 19-year-olds that are on the, the starting 11 and coming on making the impact. Everybody's pulling their way. Everybody's moving in the same direction and I think that's the important thing because it felt at the start of the season that it was a little bit bitty that there was maybe disjoint between you know our disconnect between manager and and supporters for sure you know I can't speak on behalf of anybody else but it definitely was from the supporters and the manager there was that that you know degree of belief had been lost potentially frustration that's all changed and results have have dictated that as well but we spoke before how those three games prior to Cove you know were all vital and Cove was not a free hit but because we'd won the three games it allowed us a bit of breathing space they've now backed that up again and they've taken maximum points they've continued their good run against Cove that's nine from nine and you know, you go into that Hamilton game on Saturday which we'll talk about in a minute full of confidence and you know really should have nothing to fear out of from anybody in this division, <laughs> apart from Falkirk, who seem to have our and everybody's number. But you know, we're more than a match, and we're really now starting to see on Saturday we didn't quite have the performances and the wins prior. But Saturday, you know, that's so many people playing well. PJ Morrison, Miko Verton, and the, the, the strikers, Morgan Neal, Dave Mackay, which we could probably close this section on as well, talking about that. but we could really go on the whole podcast talking about individuals, but I think what the manager said and what I'll kind of close this bit with, you know, it's a whole team, subs, coaching staff, manager, all making an impact. Yeah, I'll just finish off. I'll kind of talk about three of the four players you mentioned there because it's three players that I've I've been critical of. You know, PJ Morris, I've been massively critical of. And even last week, I talked about how I would make the the, the, the change in goals, Dave Mackay, you know, start of the season, just, just so, so poor, you know, so, so poor. And, and a team that wasn't playing well, Dave Mackay kind of stood out for, for the wrong reasons in that as well. And Miko, I think at the, at our kind of, kind of half season kind of appraisal there, we t- I think I talked about Miko was one of my disappointments of the first half of the season because I'd expected him to, to make an impact. Well, I take those three players, PJ Morrison, as I say, he's saving the first. I thought he's saving the first half was the best of the lot because it's deflected off Morgan Neal. And when you look at the highlights, it's hot. It's difficult to actually realise that PJ Morrison saved it. You, you can't really see it in the highlights because it happens so quick. Great save, vital saves in the second half. I think when the score was probably at three one at that point, I'm guessing it. It would have been a number of really good saves. Roman Burrell one on one with them as well. Really, really good save in, in that instance as he well. Learned from I thought again. Another example of learning from mistakes of the past. It was a carbon copy of Cove Rangers, but PJ stood up tall and made a fantastic save with that hand as well. The the big difference, the big difference in that is it's, it's, it's an interesting one to pull out. The big difference in that in- incident, when that happened up at Cove, what I said about when we talked about the game and the the, the podcast the next week, I said PJ Morrison's decision making one needs to be better. But two, it needs to be faster. That's what was wrong. It wasn't the goalie considered goal. It wasn't the wrong decision to come out for that one. The the mistake was he did it. Too, he didn't react quick enough. He didn't make that decision quick enough because if he'd instantly done it, he would have been able. It would have been similar to Saturday. Now on Saturday, he's came out again, but he's made that decision instantly. And that, as you say, that's the growth. That's the improvement. And um, he's learned from that, and he's made that decision straight away and came out and committed to it. And he's ended up preventing a goal. You know, this week it's great to say. As I say, I, I've been hugely critical of him. I thought he was. I thought he had a number of really, really good saves on Saturday. And then Dave, Mc, uh, Dave McKay as well. I feel. I feel felt so sorry for Dave McKay in terms of the red card. I thought at the time. I thought it, it looked a little bit harsh at the time. Seeing the 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 highlights back of it, I really hope. Andy's obviously alluded to in his interview that he potentially the club might appeal it. When you see the the replay of it, I really hope they do appeal it because I think it's a I think it's a really really poor decision. I think Olaluwal or whatever his name is has made so much of a meal of it, rolling about the fact that as soon as the red card's produced, Lowell's up on his feet and jogging for to go into the box. I think sums that up. 
he's conned the ref with with the way that he's he's rolled about for it. So hopefully it does get appealed because that should get that should get changed. But I thought you know, I really felt for Demi because I thought he was excellent on Saturday. And this period where he's came in for Divine, he's played really well. You know, the criticism I gave him at the start of the season, I think was more than merited. I, he wasn't good enough at the at the start of the season. But coming in for it, Divine while he's been injured, he's formed that partnership with Morgan Neal. And you know, we talked about Morgan Neal earlier, how much of a close as he was in the first half. Dave McKay kind of picked that up in the th- in the second half and he was he was really good. I felt so sorry for him getting sent off. And then Miko to to finish it off. I, I, to me, you can't not give Taylor Stephen Man of the match. You know, he's got the, the the so-called assist call it for the for the penalty and and the two you know the two good goals. The message say second goal is a good a good finish as well. You can't not give him man of the match. But Miko Vernon was for me was the best player on the on the park on on Saturday. He was he was everywhere from a from a defensive point of view. And to me, it summed it up with Taylor Stephen's first goal. Taylor Stephen's first goal comes from Miko Vartanen picking up the loose ball when Cove went to break. The amount of times he did that on Saturday, I thought he was, I thought he was brilliant. And that's a couple of weeks now where Miko has really kind of stepped up, losing Stevie Hellerin for for five, six weeks, whatever it's going to be. You know, that's a big player for for Alo. And there was a fear there of, I think one, you've got Stevie missing, which is a big big thing. I think then you've got, well, how does Curtis Roberts? react to that because it's going to be a new partner and beside him you know i've talked my team for saturday would have had skugel drop you know miko out with skugel dropping back you know it's, it could have potentially affected how skugel where skugel's playing as well but miko Vern has really really stepped up there's comments there was comment before the game i think it was only had commented before the game about you know miko's playing so well that it doesn't see stevie heather and coming back into the team when he's when he's fit I, I th- I'll be honest. I read that comment. I thought, oh, no chance. You know, that's that that's a bit too far for me. And then after the game on Saturday, I started to think, you know what? There's 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 maybe something in that. I seen another comment. Either printer or Waspy was talking about how that you know it's one thing that he's playing well, but you've also got to look at as a team, we're not necessarily playing great just now. Other than the second half was we were you know we were really good in the second half on Saturday, but. While Stevie's been out, we've been missing something, and it, it probably is what Stevie brings. You know that calmness to put his foot on the ball and control a game. And I'm, I, I'm kind of the fair. I think for me, with Stevie's fit, I think he does come straight back in. But fair play to Miko Vernon because he has really, really stepped up these last few weeks. And and you know while Stevie's out just now, long may it continue that Miko's playing in this way. And do you know what? Keep doing that because he's going to give and he's going to give Andy a, a decision that he's going to have to make. Whereas before this run of games, I would never have said that was going to happen. I think it would have been a case of Miko comes in and we are desperately waiting for, for Steve to come back. Fair play to Miko. He's playing so well just now. Yeah, I'm happy for him because he's yeah, he's he's bided his time and come in and yep. took that opportunity, like you say. I kind of felt like in the Motherwell game he was he got that chance and then he was was it the Motherwell game he was then shifted out to right back and you're, yeah. you're thinking Oh no! It's like he's going to have to play makeshift in a couple of different positions. But he's had a little bit of a run in his natural position where he's most comfortable. And like you say, he's, he's taken that opportunity. Although he's another one, and I'll, I'll, maybe if we just keep throwing gauntlets out, something will happen. But when that shot teed up at the edge of the box, perfectly <laughs> for him to place it into the top corner, it was nearly a throw-in. But I'll let him off because everybody else <laughs> seems to be scoring from. The great play that he's doing, breaking it up and and starting attacks for Aloha. But it kind of feels like we've got a bit of a we've got a bit of a momentum here with just saying something and then seeing it the week later. So yeah, Miko Verton and our Curtis Roberts for a goal at Hamilton on Saturday. <laughs> this Saturday we travel to New Douglas Park to face second place. Hamilton, they currently sit 10 points ahead of the Wasps, but unlike the Wasps who are firing on all cylinders with four victories on the bounce, Hamilton come into this game having lost their last two against Falkirk, which pretty much seals up the title in my opinion, and the previous week a shock home defeat to Annan Athletic as well, so they aren't coming into the greatest of forms, I have to admit. I've missed the 0-0 game, which was the last one at the Rex, and I also missed the last gasp winner they got against us in the 3-2 victory. So I've not seen any of these games or fixtures live, but it's a game that takes a completely different perspective after the last month of football. 
yeah, interesting game coming up. As you say, the Hamilton are bang out of form and you know, as you say, coming off the back of two defeats, but probably more so than that is their as their home form. You know, we were looking there just now, they've won ironically since the nil nil draw at the Rex, since that game they've they've won one out of five at home. You know, defeats to to Falkirk, draw McKelty, draw Montrose, and then obviously the defeat to to uh, Annan as well. So I mean, the only win is a, is a two 0 win over Cove. So they're they're, they're kind of bang out of, out of form at the moment. And you know, we're looking at league table, and all of a sudden we're ten points behind them. And you think, as you say, if they're coming to this at the back of two defeats, Allo are coming to this, you know, having won four games in a row. You win on Saturday, it's seven points. You think <laughs> they're in playoffs. You could be looking at pushing for second here, but yeah, the games, the games so far. So it'd been was it both the the games, the the game away at Hamilton that we lost. Uh, was it three two or two one that we lost? It we we lost in the in the dying seconds of the game. Essentially, Alwa played really really well that day. Played really well, and it was it was probably the game that you started. For the first time this season, you started to see some positives out of, out of Brian Rice's team at the time. Um, I remember we kind of changed shape for that game as well, um, but they played well at New Douglas Park, and we're—I mean, Alo were unlucky to take nothing from the game. To be honest, I remember coming away from the game and thinking a point was really the minimum that Aloha should have had from that game, and Aloha, in all honesty, were the better team against Hamilton. I think. You're talking about the second game as well, the nil-nil. Again, Alloa were the better team that day. And whether it's just been a couple of games at Hamilton have just been really off it and and Alloa have played, you know, well enough and pretty decent in both those games, it may just be a coincidence because Hamilton are obviously up where they are. I'm the same as you. That's title done on, on Saturday. If it wasn't already done, that's it done now. And But you look at Hamilton, you know, they're sitting there second. They're 10 points clear of us in third. So they've, they've obviously had a good season. And the games we, that we've played against them, Perhaps it's just been that we've caught Hamilton cold in those ones. But in saying that, they've taken four points out of six against us so far this season. And for all that we, okay, we may have been the better game, in my opinion, in both the in both better team in both the games, ultimately we've we've got one point from Hamilton this season. So you're hoping that this, I, I kind of feel this is one where we're probably due something against Hamilton and maybe goes back to the, the playoffs at the end of last season as well. But I kind of feel we're, we're maybe due a result and, it's probably a fixture when I looked at the block that we had, then the Cove game, and then you look at this one as a, almost a little bit of a, a throwaway. You know, you've got a new Douglas Park, and you're not necessarily expecting that you're going to take anything from, from the game. As you say, when you look at the run we're on and the form that Hamilton are coming in, it's suddenly thinking we might get something here. Yeah, they're in a bit of an awkward situation now, Hamilton, probably quite similar to what Falkirk were in last year, exactly, but don't have yeah, the... Exactly. Yeah, it's that no man's land, and I was going to say they don't have the incentive of a trip to Hamden in the Scottish Cup like Falkirk did last season, which seemed to kind of put a bit of a smokescreen over poor performances. And if you'd really looked into it last year, it was no surprise to see how Falkirk ended up in the playoffs because Hamilton now sit 11 points behind Falkirk. Falkirk have played less games as well. I did find it quite amusing that Falkirk photographer, not that I want to endorse too much of what they do, but <laughs> yeah. he, he, he got... Agumon, Morrison, yeah. and I, Calvin I like Miller that. for a photo post game. That I could like have been the head. As soon as I seen it, it, it took me a, it took a minute or two. And I thought, hang on a minute, is that not the three players that were mentioned? I, I thought that was clever. Yeah, fair play. Yeah, I would have changed Hamilton's season totally. But without even those three players, they seem to just, you know, have so many signings and so many players that they, you know, it's criminal that they're in this, you know, position of being. Of, of free fall, not free fall down the, the league because they're still sitting second, but not being as commanding or as controlling as they should be. You know, I I didn't even realise that, you know, the, when Hamilton scored two goals on Saturday, they both came from uh, Akeem Rose, who's on loan from yeah. Air United. I didn't even clock that he'd signed because he'd also, you know, Mackenzie Kirk joined, Jake Hasty joined. There was just so many, they've got so many options, but there's still such a bad feeling around the club. I don't how we've spoken about it off here. Things are not looking good off the park in terms of supporters. The attendance rates are dropping. There is that disconnect. You know, they're always one goal or one game away from a crisis, and we've seen that in the playoffs last year. 
it's not that healthy a position to be. We spoke about the feel-good factor at Alloa. There's, it's probably the complete opposite um, with John Rankin's team. And he's, you know, he's not the sole problem, far from it. But, you know, he's, he's part of that as well. He, he's the one that takes quite a lot of the brunt of abuse alongside the board and some of the players. Yeah, the Rankin one is is interesting for me because I think I've said this before that I, I can't remember back to when it was, but there was whether it was when Barry Ferguson, it might have been when Barry Ferguson went, I can't remember, but I, I remember Rankin was was someone who I looked at and thought I'd quite like to see him in charge of of Alwa. I'm I'm surprised at how it's how it's turned out. You know, obviously coming in and you know Hamilton get relegated through the through the playoffs last season. Was I surprised that they kept Rankin on? I wouldn't say I was shocked that he stayed on. Um, I don't think I would have been shocked if he'd if he'd been binned either. But they've they you know they obviously they stuck with him. There was there looked like there was going to be some feel good through the summer with with how and we seen it then in the playoff game against us. And obviously things turned out really well for Hamilton in that game. We've talked talked endlessly about you know what happened with ourselves but you you remember back to that and the the point where the supporters are turning and and aiming the abuse at the at the board and and primarily at the at the owner as it was at the at the time and then going to the summer and you know the new ownership comes in uh, to me there's still there's still a massive feeling of i i i question how much has actually changed it at hamilton previously i can't remember the game's boy's name is mcgill or whatever it is it still obviously owns the stadium they're still at the behest and the beholding of of him, I I have massive questions about uh, dubious about how much has actually changed. But then you look at the squad that that Rankin built over the summer. I think when we did the league predictions, I think I predicted Hamilton to, to win the league. I thought they had built a really really good strong. <laughs> to me, I thought Falkirk had a better team, but I felt Hamilton maybe had a better squad. If that makes sense, I think. My kind of thinking was, I think the Falkirk team and the, the sort of first eleven for Falkirk, I think, is is better than what Hamilton can put out. And I kind of thought that at the time. But I felt, you know, let's say Falkirk had a couple injuries to, to Miller, Morrison, and maybe maybe Lang gets gets injured. I kind of wondered then what quality did they have to to come in versus I looked at the Hamilton team and I thought, you know, if a couple, let's say O'Hara got got injured, well, Ewan Henderson would come in, and and I felt they maybe had a better squad. Although Falkirk for me had a much stronger first eleven, and Falkirk have, they've obviously had a magnificent season. They've they've kind of kept injury free as well, which is which is a massive bonus. So I think that question of the squad depth hasn't really came into it at all. But I thought I felt Hamilton built and Rankin built a really good squad through the summer, but it just it just hasn't worked. You nailed it. What you said there when they, when they they seem to be, you know, a, a defeat or a goal, a conceding a goal away from becoming the basket case club that, that we know that they are. It's, they always seem right it's on the edge not, of it. It's not even it's not even a game at Hamilton. It's literally a goal or two. <laughs> like when Skookle put that penalty and it was absolute bedlam at New Douglas Park and they still were well within the game. But I think for me what what you're saying and there's still Hamilton fans that will like they will die on the hill that they have a better squad than Falkirk and I read on Pine Bovril today a Hamilton fan saying every time we played Falkirk we still look you know, just as good as them. I mean, the table doesn't lie. You're not as good as Falkirk. They are They are streets ahead. But in regards to, you know, John Rankin as a manager or as a coach, he did sign well. You know, that there's quality players in that team. And is John Rankin a good manager? I still don't know because I don't think many managers would succeed in the environment at Hamilton. It's one of those ones that I think you will never be able to achieve success over the course of the season when there's so much going on around the scenes. There's so much animosity between supporters, board, players, management. Like It's just not sustainable. And, and you've seen that at the playoffs. And how Hamilton turned that around you know, was quite fortuitous because you know, for us, everything seemed to be going wrong hmm. in, in availability. But it's... It's one of those ones that you just can't be. You can have short-term success, you can win a couple of games, but over the course, it's always going to end in disaster because there's such a disconnect. So it's no surprise that quality players are going there and not succeeding. Like I say, whether Rankin's a good manager, it doesn't really bother me, but he's on a hiding to nothing as well because the the chances of, of 
obtaining long-term success when there is so much of a disconnect is extremely hard. They're going to make the playoffs, but I would, you know, I wouldn't really fancy them having enough to get through them. And we'll we'll see what happens and we'll see what Saturday brings. I think that stands alone over the the course of it. Like I say, you can have your day, you can win your games, but long term, until Hamilton sort out whatever's rotten at the core, which I don't really know enough about to to tell you what exactly it is. I just know that it's something. And until they sort it out, I can't really ever see them returning to the Hamilton team that we know of of the past. Yeah, they're just... It's just something not right, you know. There's quite evidently something not right. Is is rank? I, I have my serious doubts about Rankin's managerial ability. I I kind of, as I say, he was someone that I wanted us to look at a couple of years back, and you know, as it's turned out, I kind of almost feel like we've dodged a bullet. I, I question his temperament. I don't know if his temperament's right for, for for management or not. I just, but as you say, the whole situation there and. And the words you use, the disconnect, that looking from, look, we're looking at from the outside and there's people connected with Hamilton and the Hamilton support will know way, way better than we do. But it just, yeah. it just, it, it seems like that massive, that massive disconnect. And I suppose there's maybe a bit, you know, Hamilton haven't had a poor season. You know, that's, you've got to bear that no, in exactly. mind. You know, they, they've got 48 points from, from 24 games. It's not that they've had a terrible season, yet they set 11 points you know, Falkirk have got the game midweek. They could be by kickoff on Saturday, fourteen points behind Falkirk at the, the top of the league. Falkirk have had a very, very good season, and I've kind of followed that the kind of the match there and stuff from their game last weekend because there's obviously been the kind of things you touched on there, and there's a lot about well, you know, uh, you know, Falkirk are only in this position because you know Hamilton have had a poor season, and I, I look at that tail. I think Hamilton have not had a poor season. Falkirk have had an exceptional and, season, and that's. What- and and that's kind of what I I mean. How how are they supposed to achieve success when there's this massive you know story that Hamilton are in crisis when they've you know scored fifty goals this season, conceded twenty thirty plus goal difference, you know one fourteen the draws of kind of what have have killed them and the fact that Falkirk yeah. are still undefeated. Like you say, it's it's not actually bad, but still you go on Pai and Bovril, bored out, manager out, players are not good enough. Like there's, it's rotten to the core, and it, it's not, it's not sustainable to to have long term success. But I'll, I'll not, I'll not lose any sleep over it. And it does present <laughs> an opportunity for the team that we do support on Saturday to, you know, continue momentum because we're playing well. Like you say, we've played well against Hamilton. It's not, a, not a free hit. It's not the same as playing a Falkirk. It's a game that Alawa will feel that they can go and compete and you know get a positive result out of it. But we have some problems of our own. It's not quite the same as playoff semi-final problems at the back. But Cami O'Donnell limping off injured. Dave Mackay getting sent off. It does leave some interesting questions at what has been, frustratingly, what has been a really you know settled and, and solid defence over the last couple of weeks. At least some questions to how we work our way around that. Against, like I say, still a potent attack, 50 goals this season. Yeah, I, I thought about it right away on Saturday when, when Mackay got sent off. I thought, who are we going to have at centre-half next week against Hamilton? And, and right as I was like, hanging, we're playing Hamilton. I was like, oh, it's not going to be like last year. I, get, I had flashbacks of you know, Ross McKeever <laughs> and Cami O'Donnell at centre-half alongside alongside Andy Graham. That That's how we finished off. That was our three centre-halves. I had flashbacks of that straight away. And uh, We're recording this and we've no idea whether the club will appeal Dave Mackay's red cards. So we've no idea whether he'll be available, but we're taking this as Dave Mackay is, is going to be suspended. You know, that's, that's I think it would be. I think it's. I think as much as you know, we don't think it's a red card. I don't know how hard it is to get things over the line, but it feels like it's got to be so wrong for that yeah. appeal to be successful. Like it seems very hard to win appeals, and like I say, I don't know the rules, so I think we can probably say in confidence that we won't be having Dave McKay on Saturday, but I hope for the best. Yeah, I think if the appeal was successful, I would, I would, my, my back line is Cammy. Is Cammy going to be, going to be fit? You know, we've seen Cammy yeah. injured on, on Saturday as well. If McKay was available, I would be going with the same, the same back four. Um, 
I'm expecting Mackay not to be available. For me, it's it's tags moves inside because I'm we've seen nothing of David Devine. So again, I'm assuming David Devine is is unavailable. If Devine was available, I probably would start him, keep tags at right back. But I think more likely is tags moving inside one and, and John Robertson coming in at um at right back. If Cami is available, I'd start him at, at left back. If Cami was not available, if he's out injured, I'm guessing you're looking at Ethan Sutherland coming in as as left back. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I thought Robbo was good in his um in his performance and it was a derby, wasn't it, that he that he started at right back. I thought he was good. It'll be a completely different yeah. challenge against Hamilton. They've got they're they're a lot better than than Sterling Albion. They're a lot faster and quicker than yeah. Sterling Albion as well. So it's gonna be harder than defending up against, you know, Dale Hilson and Dale Carrick who were pretty, you know, ineffective that day. So it will be a tough run out and same for Ethan Sutherland on the other side. I thought Ethan's cameo on Saturday was the best I've seen him coming off the bench and, and playing with that freedom and that confidence. I guess it's going to be so different if he plays in a back four against second in the league. So that'll be a challenge. The centre-halves, as much as Morgan Neal and Dave McKay have created a good partnership and look really solid and are my first picks, Taggart, you know, we've had this conversation potentially last year when we actually argued, is Taggart now a better centre-half than he is a right-back when we had Michael Doyle as well? You're not weakening your central defence by having Taggart in there. That's my point. That's my point. He he'll slot in and he'll be absolutely he'll be absolutely fine. Um, I'd say he's been he's he's looking over just the last couple of weeks. He's he's attacking a lot more. It is good to yeah. see. So it would be a blow on the right side. You're not going to get that from from John Robertson, and you're not going to get it to the same extent. So obviously you are going to be weakened, you know, in, in in that sense. But no major weakness. It's just unfortunately it's it's slightly more makeshift, but an opportunity for. For again, Ethan to come in, get a start. If it is Robo coming in there as well, I can't can't see it. It's not. We're not at that point yet. We're not at Andy Graham starting himself just now. But um, I'm sure he'll be kitted out for the bench, no doubt. Yeah, he'll need to be on Saturday. He'll need to be on Saturday because <laughs> he will be he will be next man up on on Saturday by the looks of things. It'd be great. Like I'll yeah, need to do the warm up this week. <laughs> no kicking it about with Harry. <laughs> it would be great to see the like say a, a wee surprise and divine getting back and being on the bench or whatever. But yeah, yeah it's it's just we have not seen him so far. It's Andy's gonna be gonna be next man up. I think beyond that, to me there's probably only one other change I would I would make in the in the side from, from Saturday. I think, you know, probably for the first time I'm gonna say the central midfield for me is Miko and, and Curtis. Um it's probably the first time I've said that that I wouldn't drop Miko Miko out, and I would stick with with Skugel a bit further forward. Skugel last Saturday was miles off it. That's that's. Um, I think my comments after the game was it was like he put his boots on the wrong foot. It's probably the worst I've seen Skugel play for Aloha, particularly the first half. He just every time he had the ball, he just gave it away. But I'm hoping that's just a one game blimp blip and after we'd sung his praises on the on the podcast the week before hopefully he's just got that out of his system and he's back to what we what we usually get but i'd go with the same the same three as my my central ones miko and, and curtis with uh with skooks in front of them yeah i think yeah i think you're spot on maybe that's worked reverse psychology we've been throwing the gauntlet <laughs> out for numbers and all that maybe skooks taking it the opposite he improved i would say you know he started slow but i thought he kind of came into the game and looked pretty controlled and composed in the second half he'll he'll be back to his best on saturday i've got no doubt midfield stay the same as well for me Stephen buchanan is he's knocking that door he's come on twice in the last week and you know two will he get does he get the assist on he probably doesn't statistically potentially for the fourth goal but it's him driving down the left putting it into the box challenging the goalkeeper and taylor stephen puts it home Again, he won't get the assist for Annan on Tuesday night, but it was all his, you know, hard work and speed on the right hand side that, you know, created that chance. He's done really well in his cameo appearances off the bench. He's got a real role to play, whether it is from the bench or if he has given that nod. But for me, you, you you keep it the same. They played so well in the second half, Quinn as well. And I would just yeah, leave it leave it as it is. So I'd make a change. I would make a change and after my view last week was bring 
bring Quinn. I thought Quinn would would play. I mean, just say that. I think for me last year, I was looking for Buchanan on one side, probably Ethan Silla. I was looking for the yeah. pace on, on the wings and, and moving Taylor Stephen into the middle. It wasn't a surprise though when Quinn cools again. I think that's what we expected. The fact that obviously the car, the mix up with it not being on the team sheets, you know, he hadn't played midweek. Quinn was Quinn was poor. Quinn was was really poor on Saturday. And and for me, I would make a, a change there. We're talking about Stephen Buchanan. That was really interesting. That's the first time we've seen him on the on the left. And normally right, that's yeah. su- normally that sub getting made, it's Taylor Stephen shifts across. You know, that's that's the normal move that we've we've seen made. Taylor Taylor Stephen shifts across and Buchanan would come on, on the right. I thought that was interesting that that Buchanan came on and Taylor Stephen st- stuck on the right and Buchanan onto the onto the onto the left wing and he did really well. Did really well for them for Taylor Stevens' second goal and he was he was unlucky that the effort the deflected cross he was unlucky that it that it never crept in. Um, I would start him. I would start him on the on the left on um, on Saturday. Let's have a look. Let's have a look what that's like. You know, we only seen. You know, a little bit from him there on on Saturday, but um, I'd start him over there. I'd start him. See see what that's like. See what happens. Um, you know, is he is he going to be cut? You know, the the potential of him cutting in in the way that you know we're seeing Taylor Stephen do from the the right hand side. Could we start to see that from from Stephen Buchanan? Not sure how strong he is on his his left foot. Obviously, he got the got the crossing on Saturday that led to the goal. But I'm thinking let's maybe have a look at at Buchanan on on that side. And I, I just love the pace of the guy. I, you know, I think it's such a it's such a strong quality to have at any level of football. And I think when you when you come to this kind of level, you know, kind of third tier, if you've got pace, you, you're already ahead. You know, a lot of the time of what you're going up against. And we've seen before he got injured there, he was using that pace and gliding past past players and the confidence to take them on. I think right now Taylor Stephen has nailed down that that right wing position. So let's have a look at Buchanan on the on the left. No qualms about that at all. I just pulled it up just to see exactly what it was. He played six minutes against Dannon and seven minutes against Cove, and he's put in you know two major moments in 13 yeah. minutes of him play so if anybody's taking an opportunity coming off the bench I think you know Stephen Buchanan can definitely put a case in for for saying that he has so it's it's been an area that we have seen a little bit of movement you know we've seen Quinn start we've seen Sutherland start there um we have seen Bobby Wales shift out to the left Ali Roy so clearly you know people are getting their chance on that on either wing and, and Stephen Buchanan also deserves that chance as well. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him come in. There is that caveat of how effective he is off the bench, you know, how much that pace is an asset, maybe more so in the last 20, 30 minutes of the game, as opposed to the first 20, 30 minutes when the game's, you know, still picking up pace and tempo. I don't really like saying that because I don't really think anybody's, you know, should yeah. just be a, a a substitute, you know, I, I firmly believe if he can come on and make an impact, then he can start, and he's shown that. So it's not an argument I'd like to, to use too much, but you know, some people will will say that. But you know, I think you're, I think you're, you know, spot on in saying that he could, he, he could well be in with a shout of of starting, and who would hold that against him? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, I, just let's let's see. I, I thought it was interesting that you came on the left, and you know, right away I just assumed Taylor Stephen would move it, but it it wasn't what happened. So I am, you know, let's let's see it. Let's see. It. I, I want to get Stephen Buchanan back into that starting lineup if, if we can. And I think, you know, Quinn obviously disappointed a a little bit on 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 Saturday. I, I think you've got the option, the Ethan Sullivan option as well. If Cami is fit. Does Ethan Sutherland come? But I, I, I think true, regardless, true. I think regardless, I think that is going to be a. I, I expect Quinn to be dropped to the bench. I'd be surprised if Quinn starts this. The question really is, you know, who comes in there? If Cami's not fit, obviously Ethan Sutherland is going to be there. So that that kind of kind of answers that straight away. If Cami's fit, is it Ethan Sutherland that comes in? I think that's probably more likely. I think that's that's the most likely for me as Ethan Sutherland will start. But I would I would bring bring Buchanan in and then. My, my man, my man up top, my, my trademark, <laughs> Bobby Goals. I'm going to throw the gauntlet down to him. I'm going to throw it. See, before Saturday, I, I kind of, I didn't see it, but I had it at the back of my mind, is Bobby Wales a bit of a flat track bully here? Is he just scoring against the the, the lower teams? And I've, I've got his goals over here. He scored, 
you know, his first goal, Montrose, Montrose sitting fourth in the league. But then you've got Edinburgh, Queen of the South, having a, a poor season, a couple against Anna, and then another one against Anna, and, and then he gets a goal against Cove. And I look at, you know, what's that? Is that seven goals? Two, five, six, seven goals in, was it eight games? Three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, eight games. Eight games. And I look at the two games, I look at the two games, and it was Falkirk. And fair enough, he was out on the, the, the left wing against Falkirk, which I, I think is probably about the only mistake, really, that Andy's made since he came in. I don't mind Bobby Wales going out, you know, late in a second half, going out to the left, but I, 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 don't, I don't like him out there. And I thought, I understood why Samuel started the experience, plus he played well against, against Motherwell the week before. He deserved, he, he deserved a start. So I, I understood that, but I feel Bobby Wills is wasted out in the out in the left wing, and then the other game is is, is Sterling. Now I'm not saying that Sterling are necessarily a, you know a, a good team in the way that I'm saying Falkirk are, but it's a big game. You know, it's it's a derby game, and there was a little. I, I am I am nothing but praise for for Bobby Goals. He he is he is my man. We talked talked before. You're not supposed to fall in love with lone players. I'm 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 way beyond that. I'm way beyond that now, and I'm just accepting it. I'm just accepting it's happening. But I'm laying the gauntlet down. You know, he's he's played twice against Falkirk. He's played 90 minutes, essentially, both times against Falkirk. He's played 90 minutes both times against Sterling. He's played just under 90 minutes at the in the home game against Hamilton earlier in the season. He played up at, up at Cove the 90 minutes there. And these are games that he wasn't scoring. And now we know when he came in, he was he was he was doing everything but score. So I'm not saying that he wasn't playing well in these games necessarily, but the goals weren't there. I'm I'm throwing the gauntlet down. Now you're you're going against second in the league. You know, you showed me last week going against Cove who were who were in fourth. That to me kind of answered that question a little bit about it's not just the teams at the bottom of the table he's scoring against. I want to see it on Saturday. You know, you're going up against second in the table. I'm going to throw that gauntlet down. If he doesn't score, I'm still going to love the guy. Don't you know? It's not, it's, it's not like that. But I'm I'm going to throw that throw that gauntlet down. I want to see Bobby goals getting it against the against the big teams in the the league as well, and get a goal on Saturday. And then do you know what? We play Falkirk on the last day of the season. Get your goal against it. But Bobby Wills has got an opportunity here that he could score against every team in the league. You know, I think he scored against five of the nine other teams in the league so far. So he's got he's got the chance that he could score against everyone in the league this season. That's that's my challenge for Bobby Wales for for the for the end of the season. Starts on Saturday, get a goal against Hamilton, and obviously get one against Falkirk on the last day of the season as well. I wouldn't put it past him. It seems that everything he touches is um, t- turns to gold. He's drawn level with Connor Salmon in the top goal scorer. I thought it was quite funny that you know as soon as Bobby Will scored his seventh goal of the season, <laughs> Sam will get yourself Sam on because every time someone gets close, it's Connor Salmon's turn to to peel away again. But yeah, that's another opportunity, another goal on Saturday. Obviously, if Salmon doesn't score as well. Would take him to top goal scorer, and who would who would put it past him? He's playing with such confidence and fingers crossed that this is a, a chance. It's also a couple of supporters said, you know, when we th- threw the question, who's, you know, the best striker in the league and there's debates, Ross McKeever. I think Kevin O'Hara was the other one that came into yeah. that conversation. You know, you're going head to head against another former Wasp on Saturday. Let's hope that Bobby can get on top of that. Are you confident? Of course you're confident because, you know, we're playing so well, but do you think we'll, we'll go and take a victory on Saturday? Uh, like I said earlier, I feel I feel we're due something. As I say that, and and I suppose you kind of talk about when we were talking about Hamilton and, and Falkirk, and you know saying the league table doesn't lie, and and it's the same for ourselves. I might I might well be saying that I thought we were the better team in both the games, but ultimately we took one point out of those two games, and, and Hamilton have taken four. Uh, there's a bit of me feels we're due something. I I will be honest. I will say I think our winning run will come to an end, but I think we'll get a point. I think we'll get a point every Saturday. I, I, I thought about this early in the day and I thought about going something absolutely bonkers like a like a four all or something <laughs> like that. I I'll say I'll go three all. I'll go three all. I think uh, kinda a little bit similar to, to Saturday. I could see something like that, but I think Hamilton are just that bit more dangerous on the on the break. As you said earlier, they're just fast, you know, they likes O'Hara, likes of Henderson, these are these are quick players going forward. Like say Hasties as well, so I'll I'll go three all out, an entertaining three all. But I I I feel we're due something from the game, and I think we might just just take something. But I'm struggling to see us win it. 
just a casual six goals for your Saturday afternoon entertainment in Hamilton. <laughs> I should do. Um, you said that so calmly. Um, I th- I'm I'm confident. I, I think I'm gonna. Uh, I, I would take a draw, and you know I probably half expect it to be a draw. But I, I've got no reason to back against this team. I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as as you say. I was going to say one 0 but just think with maybe the defensive you know change around. I think we'll we'll do well to keep a clean sheet. So I'll go two one the Wasps, and I think we could hit them for some late sucker punch of our own this time. Fingers crossed. And we talk about Cove being a statement when I, I included that in my post match tweet. If we go and take three points in New Douglas Park, that's statement in capital letters. It, it would be massive. And, and like can I say, you beat Hamilton on Saturday, you're seven points behind them. Going into the, I mean, getting close to the, the last quarter of the season. I think we're, we're actually, this will be the start of the last third of the season. So, I mean, you beat them and you go seven points behind them. And all of a sudden you think, from from everyone, I say everyone, from, from the likes of ourselves, Montrose, Kelty, Queen of the South, Sterling even, uh, you know, a couple of months back, everyone was, you know, there's five teams there that really were chasing fourth position in the, the league. To all of a sudden you could go you could go seven points behind behind second and, and kind of that's that's really where you're aiming to go from there. Um I, it, it would be a it would be a, it would be a bigger win than than last Saturday, put it that way. The fact that, you know, Hamilton are up in the second and you know, going at that we're talking about COVID we're going in with such poor form, but Maybe it's maybe it's hitting Hamilton at a similar time. Okay, they've only lost two games on on the bounce, but talked there about you know one win at five at home. Maybe maybe we're just catching teams at the at the right time just now, and hopefully that carries on on, on Saturday. Yeah, I don't know how this podcast will cope if it's five wins out of five because every victory seems to add another five minutes to the episode length. <laughs> but let's hope we're we're on for ninety minutes in a couple of weeks after some some more victories. <laughs> <laughs>